<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you. It's Friday, and we will get to Anything Goes Friday. But first, Congressman Pocan was unable to be with us on his usual Monday slot for Middays with Mark. So he's here with us today. Congressman Pocan, uh, welcome back to the program. Oh, thanks, Tom. Glad to be here. Sorry uh, Wednesday didn't work out this week. That's quite all right. Uh, glad to have you with us. And I should add your website, pocan.house.gov, and your Twitter handle is rep as in Representative R.E.P. Rep. Mark Bokan. So what's at the top of your list of things that we need to know about this week? Man, it was a week, Tom. Um, <laughs> there was a, a lot going on uh, from, you know, uh, Trump pulling uh, our country out of the Iranian uh, nuclear deal, uh, you know, huge issue, and, uh, again, just changing our status around the globe and, uh, again, changing, I think, some of the power balances in various regions because of a, a bad decision. It seemed to be based more on if uh, Barack Obama did it, therefore I've got to get rid of it. Um, the, the, I think, amazing information about Michael Cohen getting money from, you know, companies like AT&T and, um, and Novartis and, uh, and, and other companies, uh, this huge amount of money, that is going to be a story for a while until we figure out exactly what they were buying and how it all worked and where the money went. Um, uh, watching Mike Pence uh, say that we should end the Russia probe, uh, being uh, more than the loyal soldier and, and George Will going pretty aggressively after him uh, for being such a lapdog uh, to the president. And uh, it just kind of goes on and on. And, and then there's things pending for next week. So uh, it's a busy time, and I'm sure callers have a lot of issues they might want to talk about, but it's, it's been a very, very busy week. Yeah, it absolutely has. And in fact, we, we, uh, you know, we've got a few callers on the line already here, but our Congressman Pocan is with us for the hour, taking your calls, our number 202-808-9925. And Brian in Lindenhurst, New York, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hey, Tom. Hey, Congressman Pocan. How are you today? Hey, very good, Brian. Thank you. Great, great. I just um, I wanted to call in because Tom knows a lot about the Constitution, and I just wanted to, uh, U.S. Constitution, Article 2, Section 4, it says, uh, the president, the vice president, and all civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for conviction of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. It seems like uh, Mr. Trump is trying to tick all three of those boxes, if you ask me. Uh, but what, um, what exactly does civil officers entail? 
I don't know if I have uh, that information offhand, Brian. I'm not sure if I, I have an answer for that. If I can answer it a little bit more globally, and then maybe Tom, if he's got some info on that. But uh, what we're watching on the impeachment side, you know, by and large, I think the answer that Democrats have been saying um, is, you know, we're we're waiting to see where this Mueller investigation officially goes, because as much as uh, many of us already find multiple places that we think uh, there have been um, arguable uh, cases where we could bring up impeachment, the majority of Congress um, is Republican, the majority of the Senate is Republican, and it's not likely to happen uh, unless we really have uh, done our homework in every possible way. And, and for many of us, that's the Mueller investigation, and it's, again, it's proceeding very well. The fact they're trying to uh, stop it along the way. Uh, I thought this week most interesting, uh, both Brian and Tom, is that, you know, when they started coming out and saying how uh, it's going on forever. Well, you know, interesting statistics, uh, Benghazi investigation, four years, zero indictments. Uh, the Clinton email investigation went for a couple years, zero indictments. We're 14 months in on the Mueller investigation, and there's 23 indictments. So uh, it's, it's what they're saying is so far from the truth. And again, the public is way smarter than they think the public is on this. But uh, it just shows that this has got the potential that if there is going to be um, impeachable offenses, likely the Mueller investigation will be the best place for us to get the votes we need to do that. Yeah, and I didn't study this in school, but my, my guess is that uh, – Article 2, Section 4, reference to civil um, uh, civil people basically means that uh, this doesn't apply to the military. The military is not subject to impeachment. The, that, uh, you know, people who are appointed or elected can be subject to impeachment, but not, not members of the military. They have their own whole set of, of, you know, under the Uniform Code of Military Justice and all that, their, their own whole set of ways that they're dealt with. But that's just a guess, but I think that that's probably right. Anyhow, Terry in Chicago. Hey, Terry, your thoughts. Uh, you're, I, I'm sorry, you're on the air with Congressman Pokemon. Hello. Hi, you're on the air. Um, yeah, hi. Uh, hi, Tom. Um, yeah, I was just rethinking your old book of um, the uh, crash of 2016. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, you had mentioned a few months ago about the plunge protection that they have in place. And uh, truly, the, the way money is created, I read a book called Making the Banks, Terry, do you have a question for Congressman every Pocan? A, every time there's a loan, they create Terry, more Terry, money. So now they have Terry, thousands of trillions of dollars. Oh, Terry. Terry, yes. do you have yeah. a question for Congressman Pocan? Um, yeah, uh, Congress, I, yeah, same as I had for your other congressman. Will he vote for um, House Resolution 1144, which is a tax on LaSalle Street and Wall Street? That's, uh, that's my question, actually, and okay. it would help Thank you, Terry. this behavior. Congressman. Yeah, Terry, I, we have about... 5,800-plus bills introduced, because I just introduced uh, one this week for Bernie Sanders, uh, and I'm making it easier for uh, people to organize unions. I, I would need to know a little more about what 1144 is. I just don't have I think it's, it's a bringing back the, the stat tax, the securities transaction excise tax, um, you know, the small tax on individual security trades. Well, and, and this is, I think, essentially what we've put in our Progressive Caucus uh, version of a budget every For years. Uh, cycle is a way to do that. Um, uh, you know, the European Union does it. Uh, we've talked about doing it. I, I believe it brings in about a trillion dollars a year if it's the same one. Um, we, we've been a proponent of that. Yeah. Uh, Patricia, in Tuxedo Park, New York, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, Tom. I have a question for um, the Congressman. Uh, last night I heard on MSNBC that uh, Paul Ryan picked up a $30 million check for the Republicans, and I was wondering how much he thinks that um, influenced uh, Trump's decision about getting out of the Iran deal. 
Yeah, in, in fact, Congressman, I just I tweeted this morning saying that I think that Spanky's president, I'm referring to Trump these days as Spanky because he, he famously asked Army Daniels to spank him with a copy of Forbes magazine with this picture on the cover. And he dropped trow and let her do it, apparently, uh, at least according to her. Um, but in any case, the, 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 the Spanky's presidency really is all about pay to play. Novartis puts in money and, you know, they want they want Trump not to negotiate Medicare D prices, which he had campaigned on. Now he's going to announce today uh, or, or Monday. I'm not sure when the, the announcement's coming that he's not going to negotiate Medicare prices. Uh, AT&T wanted to end net neutrality, although that would not be mentioned on MSNBC, which is owned by Comcast. It, it really was their main thing. Uh, that and their their merger, uh, but you know they wanted net neutrality to end. Trump ends net neutrality through Ajit Pai. I mean, it's just it's total and, pay and to those play. Are just two of the people that put money into Michael Cohen, right? Right. Yeah. Into yeah. And it's the just the, you know, that the, was going. And, and you're right. I mean, Michelle Nadelson. I mean, clearly, uh, this is a big issue. And don't forget, Monday is the day that we are officially moving the embassy in Israel to uh, Jerusalem, which. Right. Uh, has got all kinds of other uh, complications on top of the fact that Tuesday is a key day uh, after all these uh, Friday um, protests within Gaza, that we should watch that region very closely. But, uh, sorry, I, I digress for a second. I, I agree. Every time it seems like there are transactional things that happen, there's clearly that tax bill that passed last year was transactional for many wealthy donors. I think when you add that transactional piece that they all uh, got a giant tax cut and they're going to make more money, they can give you a little piece of it in campaign donations. Uh, but then when you do something like the Iranian deal that there's no good reason whatsoever to do, it only hurts our position once again internationally and is more likely to have nukes in place. We don't want nukes. Uh, that clearly is a priority for Sheldon Adelson. So um, you're right. I mean, this is a guy who's spent a life being transactional. Why wouldn't he do that as president? Yeah. And why wouldn't Paul Ryan do that as the, the House Speaker? Yeah. Well, it seems to be the entire Republican philosophy. Hey, we're all about business. Let's make a deal. Um, you know, we're for sale. Uh, in any case, Congressman Mark Pocan is with us. It's Middays with Mark, Friday edition. Here on the Tom Hartman program, Congressman Pocan will be with us for the hour, taking your calls at 202-808-9925. His website, pocan.house.gov. You can tweet him at Rep. Mark Pocan. And we'll be right back. And welcome back. Grant in Kenmore, Washington, listening on KBCS. Hey, Grant, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Good day, Congressman. My question for you is, who across the aisle uh, is supporting environmental legislation and what can be done with Scott Pruitt? Wow. Um, so on the the second one, uh, you know, we're we're dealing with that because it, it seems like again weekly we find out more things that show why this person's unfit, not just because of their position on the environment, but because of their conduct in office. And, and Scott Pruitt certainly is in that category. You know, I think when it comes to the environment, it's been tough on the Republican side of the aisle. Uh, technically, there is a caucus formed. Uh, to deal with um, climate change, because, you know, the majority of the Republicans in Congress don't believe in the science of climate change, and we've been unable to get anything done uh, proactively. In fact, everything has been regressive, uh, to rolling back things that we did during the Obama administration uh, so far. But this, this caucus uh, hasn't done a single thing because it's largely cover for those people in competitive districts to say that they're environmentally friendly, and yet there's been no work product uh, whatsoever out of this group. So it, it's hard to say where there are specific Republicans that are champions for the environment. I don't think anyone's a champion on the other side of the aisle. Are there people who at least maybe recognize science? I think there's a few occasionally, but they certainly aren't speaking out, and that's part of the problem we've had. Um, when you have a caucus that gives them some cover, yet nothing actually comes out of it, uh, we're just continuing to see the rollbacks uh, proposed by people like Scott Pruitt and others uh, in the Trump administration, part of why uh, we need to change a lot of the faces in November. Yeah. 
Kathy in Madison, Wisconsin. Kathy, we have a minute with Congressman Pocan. You got a quick question? Okay, quick uh, question. I've been in the labor movement a zillion years. I would like to know if the bill, which I haven't had a chance to read, includes the labor bill, includes a provision that employers will actually get fined when they violate labor law, because that's been a really big thing. Uh, when somebody gets thrown out of work, if they recover, they get their recovery years later. Uh, there's only the amount of uh, money uh, that they lost, and the employer, that's, that's the end of their liability. And I don't know too many other laws where an employer can violate labor law and get away with it like that. I'll take my answer on the air. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy. Yeah, so Kathy, I, I think you know there are a number of bills that are out there. Our main one that we did this year, I think you're referring to, is the one that Bernie Sanders and I introduced, the Workplace Democracy Act. It um, covers a number of the rules that the Obama administration did that have been rolled back. But more importantly, it does some of the big picture stuff like a simple majority to be able to form a union, requiring companies to hold elections in a timely way, which they're not doing currently, uh, getting rid of right-to-work laws so that states can't have right-to-work laws, uh, things like that, including other provisions. So um, absolutely, uh, there are a number of things that would be in place that would uh, make it that if an uh, employer violates the law, they will be fined. And... Uh, you can probably find it online easier, but it's a very, very comprehensive. It's kind of like the 800-pound the 800, 800 gorilla of labor law all in one bill, yet there are many parts of it that are separate bills introduced uh, currently in Congress. Okay. Congressman Mark Pocan taking your calls. You're on Middays with Mark on the Tom Hartman Program, Friday edition. We'll be right back with more of your calls for Congressman Pocan. Congressman Mark Pocan taking your calls. It's Middays with Mark, Friday edition here on the Tom Hartman program. And Lawrence in St. Paul, Minnesota, you are on the air with Congressman Pocan. Oh, just a quick question from a voter to a politician. Lawrence, your phone is fading out. Oh, okay. Can you hear me now? Yeah. yeah. Okay, just a quick question from a voter to a politician. What's, what's our plan to take back the House and, and, and maybe the Senate? Now, I'm going to tell you. I qualify that statement. Quick question from a voter to a politician, because if we don't have, if we don't take back a plan, if we don't take back the House, I'm disenchanted with the Democratic Party. I'll take my answer off the air. What's our plan? Thank you. Yeah, Lawrence, I mean, uh, clearly you know, we're watching across the country special elections for state legislative seats. Forty have flipped since Donald Trump became president from Republican to Democratic for the other way. So we've got a 10 to 1 advantage. Uh, our uh, base is energized. Their base is not. Uh, we are uh, very aggressive with candidate recruitment. We've got some great candidates around the country, and we are running uh, towards a fall with an economic message because that's quite honestly what we failed to present adequately in 2016 and where Donald Trump said the right things on the surface, but certainly didn't mean them. You know, he did a great job of identifying draining the swamp. The problem is he didn't tell you he just wanted to get access to it so he could build a high-rise condo on top of it, where we really need to address big corporations, big banks, and others that are actually making it tougher for people to get ahead in the economy. I, think, I see the Democrats doing that. Best, better yet, they're doing it in a joint way between the House and the Senate. I'm seeing it in state legislative races around the country. Uh, so I think there is a very energized and organized Democratic Party beyond what I can honestly say I've seen in recent cycles getting ready for November. Now, Republicans will probably pull out some fear issue like they always do, uh, and we have to be ready for that along the way, but it may be a little too little too late for them. Um, so I'm feeling pretty optimistic about it. So just, you know, what I would recommend, Lawrence, is if you care about this, 
make sure every week you're knocking for a candidate in your area that you believe in because it's up to us to do it, not just saying what's the strategy. The strategy is you get out and knock on doors and talk to voters, and if you can give a, a few dollars here and there to candidates, things like that, that's going to go really, really far. Russ in Hickory Hills, Illinois, here on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, yeah, Mr. Pocan. I was watching Morning Joe. I don't know if Tom watched it. Something caught my hearing. I mean, Donald Trump's not on solid grounds in the Midwest, but the Republican senators are sending a notice to Mitch McConnell, and you're probably going to get one in the House to cancel the summer break because you guys are so obstructionist, you don't deserve a, a summer break. What is this obstruction that they're talking about? Do you know? Yeah, this is, I mean, this has been used, you know, it's kind of like an old record, right? Uh, it comes up every year. Someone puts it out there on the Republican side or sometimes vice versa, the other party. What we're, where they're claiming is because uh, we haven't approved enough of the president's judicial and other nominations. Well, in some cases, there's really good reasons. There's some really crappy people uh, that have been appointed to these spots that are going to harm the public and harm the country. And uh, that's why they're claiming that it's some kind of uh, foot dragging. But we're foot dragging because when you appoint people to positions that shouldn't be there, and just look at all the turnover he's had in his office, he doesn't have a great track record. So I think that's what they're trying to make a point, saying uh, we just need to be there longer. doesn't matter. You can make us stay 24-7. If you have a bad appointment, uh, it's going to be a bad appointment, and we're not going to just roll over. And uh, Again, I think it's one of their more pathetic messagings they put out there. Amen. Jesse in Miami, Florida. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. We've got to have a minute and a half to the break. Okay. Happy belated birthday to you, Tom. Thank you, Jesse. Uh, hi, Mr. Pocan. Mr. Pocan, what's the greatest lesson that we could take from what happened to, uh, happened to Nazi Germany? Thank well, you. Thank you, Jesse. Um, I, I'm not trying to compare things to Nazi Germany because I never think that's especially helpful right now, but I think a lesson out of Nazi Germany is that if uh, people don't stand up when you need to stand up, uh, just because it's not in your interest, you need to stand up for everyone's self-interest because we're all connected. We are a community. Uh, we need to, to watch out for everyone. The good news is I see this happening all the time. Uh, right now we've got lots and lots of people that are coming out for rallies when they're at the Women's March. Uh, I saw the LGBT community. I saw environmentalists. I saw labor. Uh, when we had the DACA rallies, uh, again, I saw people from the faith and non-faith communities. I saw uh, people coming in from uh, you know, other organizations that understand uh, if we don't stand in solidarity, uh, we will lose uh, separately. So it, I see it happening, and I think that's probably an important lesson, which I think is being observed. We just have to keep vigilant, especially through November on that. Yeah, it's kind of a variation on the uh, the famous British conservative Sir Edmund Burke that uh, Thomas Paine had such a, uh, a huge battle with that he wrote Rights of Man as a rebuttal to Burke's positions. But anyhow, Burke uh, brilliantly said, all that is necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Yes. And that's basically, it sounds to me like what you're saying, Congressman. Yeah, and I would have been far more succinct had I said it that way. <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't mean to be <laughs> No, I hear you. Critical. No, but that's exactly it, you know. It, it's kind of like when people ask what's the Democratic message for, Paul, for fall. To me, it's, it's the Paul Wellstone line. We all do better when we all do better, right? right? If we keep it simple, people will understand it, and it completely works today as well as it did when Paul uh, Wellstone was the U.S. Senator. There you go. Congressman Mark Pocan taking your calls for the hour. We'll be back with more of your calls. It's the Friday edition of Middays with Mark. And uh, you can reach him. His website is pocan, P-O-C-A-N.house.gov. And you can tweet him at Rep. Mark Pocan. Uh, we'll be back with more of Congressman Pocan in just a moment. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. Call 202-808-9925. Back with more of Middays with Mark, Friday edition here on the Tom Hartman Program.
Middays with Mark, Friday edition. Congressman Mark Pocan here on the Tom Hartman Program, taking your calls for the hour. Richard in Kettering, Ohio. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hello, Tom, uh, and hello, Congressman Pocan. So good to talk to both of you. Um, I, uh, I wanted to get uh, your thoughts uh, about the um, governor's race uh, shaping up here in Ohio. As you know, it's uh, going to be Mike DeWine and Richard Cordray. I would have preferred Dennis Kucinich, but uh, in any case, uh, what, what are your thoughts about the chances of, uh, of it uh, going the Democratic way? You know, again, Ohio, as you know, is one of these, I don't always prefer the term purple states, but swing states, uh, you know, states like Wisconsin, I think we have red areas, we have blue areas. We actually don't have that many purple areas. So, you know, calling a state that sometimes I think doesn't provide the right information. But, uh, you know, you're, it's going to come down to turnout uh, in so many of these races. And as you know, uh, the governor's races are especially important because uh, whoever gets elected governor in the states that have uh, the races up the cycle uh, is when redistricting is going to happen. So uh, if we're going to allow the gerrymandering to continue that's happening and so it happened in so many states that had Republican control, uh, that's why we're having uh, the, the really steep hill uh, to try to change the legislative makeups and try to change the faces in Congress. So governor's races really have to be at everyone's uh, priorities also as they're looking at uh, November. And I think if we can get our base out, um, we have a good shot in places like Ohio uh, and Wisconsin and, and other states that, uh, I guess, you know, get, get termed purple, but really uh, we just need to make sure our turnout happens uh, unlike what happened in 2016, and especially Ohio and Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan, were all very similar in that. We, we had a lot of drop-off because we didn't articulate a good economic message. Uh, hopefully we can do a much better job this time. Albert in Marina Del Rey, California. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hey, Tom, thanks for taking my call. Congressman, <clears throat> I've got a question for you. The second uh, congressional district in Nebraska is running a former Republican and is being sponsored by the DCCC. Now, you're a member of the Congressional Democratic Party. How does this happen and where is your accountability and the rest of the progressive Democrats? How, how, how does that happen? Please explain. Yeah, so, you know, I think one of the great confusions that's out there, and Keith Ellison and I just had this conversation this week, is and rightfully so. We wouldn't expect people to know all the differences with the various organizations, but people can sometimes get mixed up. The DNC, uh, which is the Democratic National Committee, the DCCC, uh, which is the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, which is the campaign arm of the House Democrats, which you're not necessarily a member, um, but it is the arm that uh, tries to elect Democrats to uh, the House. And then there's a Senate operation. Then we have groups like the TDPCC, Tom, because we like to make things very confusing, which is our uh, message folks within the caucus. So there's all these different entities. And for most people, they just understand why is it the Democrats are doing this, either good or bad, but often when we hear about it, they're unhappy. And with the DCCC, uh, there have been a number of times this cycle where people are not happy. Um, I think the one that probably got the most recognition was in Texas, where they got involved in a race that does have a, a runoff coming up actually this month, uh, where instead of uh, where someone normally would back a candidate maybe over others, although we prefer that they stay out of primaries, uh, period, um, to allow the voters to make that decision, they came out negatively after someone. So they didn't proactively support someone, they just attacked one candidate, and that really backfired. It raised a lot of money for the person they attacked, and uh, now that person is in the final runoff. So, you know, we often have conversations with the DCCC about uh, what they're doing around elections, and, um, you know, it's not like I have a vote, per se, in how it operates. However, we certainly uh, 
uh, try to make sure that they're not doing things that are going to put us in jeopardy. And I do think sometimes when they do uh, negatively go after someone or get involved in primaries, it works negatively for us. Now, it's a little different on the Progressive Caucus. We do identify progressives in races, and we try to where we can uh, back those people. Um, although the cycle, it's been a bit more interesting because in many races, there's multiple good progressives running. Uh, we're watching the Pennsylvania primaries very closely. They're coming up next Tuesday. But, uh, I, I, Albert, I, I certainly hear your concerns about how the DCCC has operated. We have had, again, those conversations with many of their folks in, in their leadership and uh, hoping that um, you know, they won't try to tip the scale too often because sometimes when they tip the scale, they drop the scale on the floor and it breaks, and uh, we elect Republicans. Jill in Bartlett, Illinois. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, good afternoon. Um, huge uh, supporter of universal health care. And one point is, the, I believe it's 1.45% tax by employers into Medicare. Is that still tax deductible for the corporations? And if so, why does the Democrat Party not, uh, you know, fight that, especially after this huge tax uh, circus that we just went through? And uh, again, and I'll get off the phone, but... Um, when, when we talk about universal health care, I think to stay the course, we need a plan and a broadcasted and a published plan and exactly how we're going to pay for it. And would 1% or 1.45% from corporations across the country take care of universal health care? Thank you. I'll take yeah. my answer off of here. Yeah, Jill, uh, you know, great questions. So let me try to talk about it the way I think we should talk about it because it will get uh, more people's attention, which is, you know, just first of all on the value that, you know, you shouldn't simply because you're sick, go bankrupt or, um, you know, not be able to uh, get the care you need in a country like the United States. Uh, clearly in Canada and most of Europe, uh, this is, system is completely different than ours and it works quite well. Uh, Canada is not a third world country, so there are plenty of good examples out there that we could replicate, and which is why many of us have advocated for a single payer or a Medicare for all system. What we're right now is having this conversation about how to best present this to people, because I think where you can get um, lost and it doesn't help us as much is when you start saying this is exactly how you'd fund it, because then whoever is affected by that funding source will not like it. Um, we think the best thing to do is put the value out there. We all agree that's the value. Everyone should have access to affordable health care, but everyone should have access. From there, how do we get it done? And there are many ways. Just in the savings alone, the current system, uh, medical professionals have told us 15% of everything, their overhead, is just overhead of shuffling papers. Right, right off the bat, you take off 15% of the cost when you have a system that's far more efficient uh, in, in the way we're talking about a universal single-payer system. Uh, there, there's other things that you can do, too, and you can start showing the various ways. You can pay for this several-fold. But I think if we get lost on a funding source, then that becomes the debate rather than the value, which is that everyone should have access to health care. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, uh, I remember when I was a freshman, and she says this a lot, but it really stuck, took, took to, my, to my brain, and I try to remember it, is um, uh, that values unite and issues divide. And I think we see that happen often. So let's talk about single payer as a value. And I think you'll find you'll find people who are independents and even Republicans who all agree that it makes sense and that it's a far more efficient system. And then we can figure out the particulars, which there are more than enough options of how you can do it once we have the value agreed on. That, that's a really important point that had never occurred to me. Values unite and issues divide. Thank you for that, Congressman. Yeah, it, you know, it's, it's something that just really stuck with me because, again, 
if you can get people on the values, we can negotiate all the rest of the stuff. But right. as you and I know, because we've had this conversation many times, Tom, with, with listeners, you know, there are a lot of different ways that you can not only have cost savings by having a single-payer system, but also there's a lot of other revenue sources out there. I mean, just the one revenue source alone that the Progressive Caucus has put out there and now Democrats are solidly behind is this high-speed you know, financial transaction fee that um, is done already in the European Union. We have a very, very small proposed amount for these people who do these high-speed transactions. It brings in a trillion dollars a year. I mean, there are all sorts of things, but once you start focusing on one, uh, quite honestly, then anyone who is going to be affected by that finds ways to fight you on that issue. But it's the value that people really do agree on, regardless of the political spectrum. I, I doubt there are many people who honestly think, no, if you're sick, you shouldn't have health care if you're not rich. That's just not something that many people really believe. So let's work from the value side, and then we'll figure out the details to how to actually fund it, which we have, fortunately, a whole lot of options. Amen. Silas in Philadelphia, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Yes, uh, good day, gentlemen. I have an idea for putting Hillary in the White House in 2019. Have her run for Congress from her congressional district. When she's elected, elect her Speaker of the House, impeach uh, Trump and Pence and Wall. She's in the White House where she belongs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Phyllis, I, I see a, a novelist, uh, a novel in the making. You could uh, put it out there. Uh, you know, um, there, there are a lot of people out there talking about the various options. Like, you know, what happens if you impeach Trump? Does Mike Pence become uh, a president? And, you know, then now watching him uh, trying to stop the investigation as well, I'm certainly curious, is Pence going to be uh, more directly involved than maybe some of us thought in the past? And then whoever's the speaker is third in line. And if we flip the House in November, uh, whoever the Democratic speaker is would be in line to be president. So um, there's lots of interesting, I call it fantasy politics. It's like fantasy football. Um, but for those of us who follow politics, uh, scenarios you could put out there, I think yours, Phyllis, is, is definitely novel worthy. Yeah, it definitely is. That could be a movie, too. Uh, Congressman Mark Pocan taking your calls for the hour. It's the Friday edition of Middays with Mark. And you can contact uh, Congressman Pocan through his website, pocan.house.gov. And you can tweet him. And he does read his Twitter feed, and he will reply at rep, R-E-P, Mark, M-A-R-K, Pocan, P-O-C-A, and rep, Mark Pocan. We'll be right back. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. More of Middays with Mark Pocan right after this. Hey, I've got to tell you about the world's best chair. Most of us spend over 2,000 hours a year sitting in our office chairs, and if you have back problems or trouble concentrating throughout the day, there's a simple reason. You're sitting in the wrong chair. Take your chair, your style, and your productivity to the next level with an X chair. The X chair's unique anthropomorphic design and dynamic variable lumbar support cradle your body in a way you need to feel to believe. And a more comfortable posture means better concentration and much higher productivity. In fact, if you're a business owner, there's no better way to reward your top performers than giving them an X chair. And the X chair's sleek, modern style will upgrade the entire look of your office. Give yourself and your staff the gift that pays dividends five days a week, year-round. Feel and see the X chair difference by going to xchairtom.com right now. That's the letter X, chair, Tom, T-H-O-M, Dot com or call 1-844-4X-CHAIR. If you're not truly thrilled by the look and feel after 30 days, refer, return it for a full refund. Order today and save 100 bucks and get free shipping. If you go to xchairtom.com right now and enter the code TOM, T-H-O-M, you get a free footrest. That's xchairtom.com or call 1-844-X-CHAIR. We have one here. We love it. xchairtom.com. 
Middays with Mark. Congressman Mark Pocan taking your calls. Our Friday edition here in the Tom Hartman program. And Patricia in West Milton, Ohio, you are on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hello. I'm first-time caller, and I'm calling about an urgent issue. We are no longer being provided liquid oxygen for emphysema or any COPD disease. And it's killing us because we can't go outside. Um, I don't know if Mr. Pocan can address that, but I would appreciate him looking into it. Yeah, Patricia, you know, thank you so much for, for raising it. I'm not familiar with the issue, but what I'm going to do is make sure that um, I'll, I'll look into it to see if it's something specific Ohio, if it's something national, what exactly is going on, and I will be very glad to report about it next week when we're on the program. Norma in Montgomery, Alabama. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, guys. Um, Hi. I don't know if you all have seen the ads for a new documentary that I think is going to be on CNN, but it's about the draft. And this raised a, uh, a question in my mind about why now instead of last month at the 50th anniversary of Kent State. And if they are now talking up the draft, this time it would be boys and girls, your sons and daughters, because they have passed a rule that women can fight in combat. And I was wondering if you had heard anything, any rumors or rumbles about reenacting the draft so Trump can build up his military. Hmm. No, I, I have not heard um, a peep about that. I think you know most of what we're trying to do these days is make sure that you know he um, not insult uh, international leaders via Twitter. Uh, that we try our best not to waste money on a military parade that even the military doesn't want, just so that Donald Trump can feel um, you know as important as the North Korean leader apparently feels when he has a parade. Um, we're trying to stop some of those things, but around the draft, there has been, I would have to say, zero. Um, chatter uh, about anything being reinstated. I think they're probably just doing it, like you said, in conjunction with some anniversaries, and maybe they just got a little behind is why they missed it. Anthony in Georgetown, Kentucky, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Well, thanks, fellas. Uh, Congressman, the other day I was listening to one of your colleagues, I don't know too much about him, uh, Chuck Grassley, I think, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, Yep. but uh, he was talking about this plan every other, every other week, every other Wednesday, he uh, submits five judges uh, to, be appoint, uh, to be appointed circuit court or district court, and they already have 16, and he's trying to get 50 by the end of the year. Is that anything you can stop, or how does that work? And he was talking about these blue slips that they don't have anything, and I didn't understand what he was talking about with them blue slips. That, yeah, I'll listen. So Anthony, great, great question. I can give you um, a, a quickest version as I can because it's a little bit complicated. But part of um, the problem is they're they're putting some bad appointments out there for some of the judicial nominations. The Senate Democrats have been trying to slow some of that down because we don't want to put bad people in positions, especially positions that kind of go forever. And uh, what's really interesting is Senator Grassley has been one of the people uh, that has often been uh, one of our bigger problems on when it's just the opposite, like trying to delay them. So now they're trying to use this excuse that we're trying to, to somehow just drag our feet. Here's what just happened in uh, the, and I'm forgetting the district, but it, it's the includes Wisconsin. Um, I had an article on this. Uh, they just had an appointment. They held up for six years under Barack Obama, appointing someone uh, to a position, and then they just did it over the objections of Senator Baldwin uh, from Wisconsin. They, they violated the way they've just held up all the other appointments for six years to that. Right. They, uh, let, they let Republican Senator Ron Johnson block this for six years, and then when yeah. Tammy Baldwin tried to block it for one month, they said, no, you can't do that. You're a Democrat. Exactly. 
exactly, exactly. And uh, you know, so they're they're playing the rules very differently in how they've always been done. So for Chuck Grassley, who is the point person on the Republican side in the Senate on these issues, to somehow act like uh, we're dragging our feet when in reality they're changing the rules and putting some, in some cases, some really bad people uh, names out there to be appointed. Uh, that's what they're trying to get at. They're trying to blame us for dragging feet as opposed to having a proper review so you don't have people in positions for the rest of their lives that shouldn't be in them. James in Lakewood, Washington. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Was that James? You broke up. That's you. You're on the air. All right. How's my phone? Sounds great. What's up? Okay, good. Hey, Congressman. Um, <clears throat> first off, a, a side note, what you can prove, okay? Offshore corporations are essentially what we have in the United States. They're all registered offshore for the most part. If they're supporting a political party or a political um, uh, candidate, isn't that treason? Well, I don't think by a definition, an offshore corporation supporting someone would be treason because I think by definition alone, treason is going against our country. So I, I'm not sure if that would work. I certainly understand the point you're making, James, which is, you know, when, um, especially when corporations have uh, run to find smaller companies to buy overseas so they can evade uh, paying U.S. taxes. And then, you know, they still have all this influence and the rights and response, you know, the, the rights of corporations here. Uh, it certainly seems to be a disconnect. And you think that if they really were proud uh, to be a part of this country and they're making their profits here, they wouldn't try to find ways to... Um, essentially scam the system, but it's a legal scam. It's a legal loophole. Uh, but but I, I don't think treason would be involved. Yeah, I, I, I think to, to that point, Novartis, you know, which gave Michael Cohen all that money, uh, I think it was 1.2 million, is a Swiss company. And here they are passing money along to the president and his fixer and all this kind of stuff. You know, it's, it's unseemly at the very best. Yeah. Anyhow, Congressman, we have uh, 40 seconds left uh, in, the, in the hour. Uh, thoughts on, on what we should be looking at, what we should be noticing, what we should be doing over the yeah, next week. Net neutrality is the big one coming up. Uh, there could very likely be a vote next week in the Senate. Um, and if they do, it will pass. They have enough votes, it looks like, but we got to make sure we shore up people's spines uh, on that. Uh, but then it will come to the House, and then we've got a whole lot of work to do to organize to get people ready for the, the CRA that would uh, overturn the FCC decision that took away uh, net neutrality. So for anyone who cares about this, which, trust me, is a lot of people, Tom, I had over almost 13,000 people reach out to me on this uh, in my district alone. Um, this is the time to contact your senators and to contact your House representatives to make sure... Uh, uh, that they're supporting uh, overturning what the FCC did on net neutrality. There you go. And the number for the Congressional House, uh, the switchboard for both the House and the Senate, 202-224-3121. Congressman Pocan, thanks so much for being with us. Yeah, thank you, Tom. Appreciate it. Really, really, really enjoy these segments, and I'm so glad you can do them. Congressman Mark Pocan, pocan.house.gov. You can tweet him at Rep. Mark Pocan. We'll be back. You're listening to Tom Hartman. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. Anything Goes Friday. Marianne and Pamela Aiden are going to drop by in about 15 minutes and just talk with us about uh, investment strategies in these bizarre times. I'm looking forward to that conversation. Uh, that said, it's Anything Goes Friday. There are a few things that I wanted to share with you. And uh, one of them, actually, 
is, uh, you know, from Donald Trump. This, remember this when Trump was on the campaign? This is uh, audio coming out of my computer here, Sean, if you need to pop this up. Uh, th this was Donald Trump on the campaign trail. Every Republican wants to do a big number on Social Security. They want to do it on Medicare. They want to do it on Medicaid. And we can't do that. And it's not fair to the people that have been paying in for years, and now all of a sudden they want to be cut. And it's my... Yeah, and then there's a whole, comp you know, there's a whole mashup of these comments by Trump that was published May 22nd of last year at the Washington Post. All these times Trump saying, yeah, yeah, we're going to negotiate drug prices for Medicare. We're going, you know, we're going to, we're going to preserve Social Security, Medicaid and Medicare. No cuts, no cuts at all. This is what he campaigned on. This is what he was elected on. And this is what he's not doing. You'll recall back in 2005, George W. Bush and the Republicans pushed through this thing called Medicare Part D. And Medicare Part D caused the Medicare program to start picking up the drug costs for millions of citizens on Medicare. And that adds hundreds of billions of dollars a year to the cost of Medicare. And of course, the reason the Republicans did this was because they want to whack Medicare. Well, plus they thought it would be popular, right? People will like having their drugs paid for, so we'll do this, we'll do it this way. But being Republicans, they had to figure out a way to make sure that most of that money, not only were they, it was a twofer really, not only would it weaken Medicare over time because it added expense, but we'll double down on weakening Medicare by, by passing a law that says that while the, uh, the Pentagon, for example, the Department of Defense and the, and the Veterans Administration, they can negotiate drug prices, right? If you, if you check into a VA hospital and you need penicillin, and that penicillin, those penicillin pills retail for a dollar a pill if you walk into a pharmacy and buy them one at a time, the Veterans Administration went to the manufacturers of penicillin and said, you know, this year we're going to buy five million of these things. So uh, give us a price better than a buck a pill. And, and the manufacturer says, okay, great. We'll sell them to you for 22 cents a pill. You know, we'll give you a really good wholesale price. And the Veterans Administration buys them at that very low price. But when it came to Medicare recipients, the Republicans said, when people on Medicare have the Medicare institution pay for their pharmaceuticals, the, the amount paid has to be the full retail price specified by the manufacturer. Now, this is one of the reasons that you're seeing manufacturers raise drug prices 1,000%, 500%, 30%, 90%, 6,000%, whatever it may be. It's not so much to screw you and me as retail customers. It's to be able to extract even more money out of Medicare. So back two years ago, Donald Trump said, you know, we need to let Medicare negotiate prescription drug prices. He campaigned on this. But now, and, and now he's going to be making this announcement uh, today or Monday about how we're going to lower drug prices. Robert Pear writing in today's New York Times, President Trump will lay out on Friday, I guess it's today, a broad strategy to reduce pre prescription drug prices. But in a break from one of his most popular campaign promises, he will not call for Medicare to negotiate lower prices with drug manufacturers. Now, this is the big thing that Novartis feared. They gave Michael Cohen $1.2 million, and, and, and I'm sure that other big drug companies, lobbyists, were pouring money into the Republican Party. And so now the now Trump says, oh, you know, we're not going to we're not gonna, we're not going to have Medicare negotiate prices. Yes, we can say the the uh, the estimated back in 2005 when this bill was negotiated, the Democrats came out and said the additional profit to drug manufacturers over the first 10 years of Medicare Part D, that'd be 2005 to 2015, the additional profit will be six hundred billion dollars. 
That's the profit, not the revenue, not the gross receipts. That's the, pro that's the money left over that the drug company executives and their stockholders can put in their own personal pockets and use a portion of it, of course, to pay off Donald Trump. You know, Spanky is totally transactional. He, he's, he, all he does is, hey, what's in it for me? And that's the, that's the governing philosophy of the entire Republican Party. It's Ayn Randism raised to political art. Ayn Rand, who famously said that if you care about people, if you love people, you're not a worthy human being. That, that love is a weak emotion. That we shouldn't care for each other. That there's no such thing as society. It's just individuals. Uh, which was paraphrased by Margaret Thatcher back in the late 70s, early 80s. So that's what they're up to. And uh, <laughs> that's what's going on. I, I think it's just astonishing. And then finally, I wanted to mention the federal judiciary, and then I'll pick up your phone calls here. Uh, Mitch McConnell said, and I quote, I think the tax bill will make an important difference to the country. But when the winds, the political winds shift, we never tax, we never just do tax cuts alone. When we did a comprehensive tax reform 30 years ago, it lasted four years. What I want to do is make a lasting contribution to the country. And by appointing and confirming these strict constructionists to the courts, who are in their late 40s or early 50s. I believe working in conjunction with this administration, we're making a generational change in our country that will re be repeated over and over and over down through the years. In other words, we're, you know, we don't care if we win or lose elections as long as we have the, the judiciary, as long as we have all the federal judges being right-wing cranks. And this is why they blocked, I mean, literally, Ron Johnson, the Republican senator from Wisconsin, for six years blocked an appointment by President Obama to, the, to the, the circuit court in Wisconsin, a federal, federal judge, lifetime appointment, blocked that for six years. Obama's out of office, Trump comes in, Trump proposes a right-wing crank instead of a reasonable judge. In fact, the, the one that Obama had appointed uh, was not even uh, necessarily uh, much of a progressive. I mean, it was just a right down the middle judge. But Trump comes in, appoints a right-wing crank, and Tammy Baldwin, who is the other senator from Wisconsin, says, I'm not going to turn in my blue slip. I'm going to block this the same way Ron Johnson blocked Obama's appointment for six years. And Mitch McConnell says, I don't care if you turn in your, pink sli your blue slip or not. We're going we're gonna to vote on this judge. In other words, he changed the rules. It's bizarre. And who are the kinds of people that the Republicans are appointing? Well, I just got this from uh, Credo Action. CredoAction.com is the website. Republicans on the Senate Judiciary Committee advanced one of Donald Trump's most extreme right-wing judicial nominees, Howard Nielsen. Nielsen spent his career defending the NRA's dangerous agenda, fighting against gay rights and women's rights, and supporting the legalization of torture. Howard Nielsen has called state laws that prevent people younger than 21 from purchasing handguns and from publicly carrying firearms unconstitutional. He tried to overturn a ban on assault weapons in Illinois by arguing that high-powered rifles are not as dangerous as pistols and revolvers. He defended California's anti-LGBTQ Proposition 8, a policy that bans same-sex marriage, and argued that the judge hearing the case should recuse himself because he was gay. In 2005, while holding a key position in George W. Bush's Department of Justice, Nielsen wrote a memo that justified the torture of civilians captured by U.S. forces in Afghanistan. In 2014, Nielsen represented congressional Republicans in opposing EPA regulations on greenhouse gas emissions. In 2016, he co-authored an amicus brief in the Supreme Court case of Whole Woman's Health versus Hellerstead, arguing in favor of imposing medically unnecessary standards on health facilities that offer abortions. Those regulations would have forced a majority of Texas abortion providers to shutter their doors. 
Trump and his extremist Republican Party are trying to fill the federal courts with right-wing judges who will legitimize their hateful policies, undo decades of civil rights progress, and empower the NRA. We cannot allow that to happen. So that's my, that's my rant for the hour. As I said, uh, Pamela and Marianne Aiden will be with us in about five minutes. Uh, stick around, and uh, then we'll, we'll be getting into Anything Goes Friday here on the Tom Hartman program. So stick around. We'll be right back. Uh, taking back the mainstream media three hours a day, five days a week. This is your media support group for We the People, the Tom Hartman program. It's 15 and a half minutes past the hour. Back to talk media for the sane among us. Tom Hartman here with you, and I'm really happy to have on the air with us uh, Mary, Marianne and Pamela Aiden, the Aiden sisters. They are the co-editors and publishers of the Aiden Forecast, A-D-E-N Forecast, and directors of Aiden Research, uh, AidenForecast.com. Uh, you can tweet them at the Aiden Forecast in the interest of full transparency. They are a, a sponsor of this program, an advertiser with our program, but that's not why they're on. Uh, I have subscribed to their newsletter for, geez, it seems like two decades. It's been a lot of years. And I just find it personally very, very useful in guiding my investment decisions. And uh, I wanted to share their expertise with you. So uh, Pamela and Marianne, thank you for joining us. Hello? Yes, we're happy to be with you. Oh, great, great. Okay, uh, we can hear you. Uh, so uh, the, your, your newsletter, you've been talking about how, you know, for a while you had us in bonds and then you said, okay, the bond market is going south. And, and your, your last newsletter was talking about how the the pressures seem to indicate that the stock market's still in a bull market, but you're not recommending that people buy or hold stocks outside of a couple that, you know, we've held for a long time. And that uh, the currency markets, you were expecting the dollar to collapse. It's been going up, but that the long-term trend is for the dollar to go down. And so uh, get into uh, things like uh, exchange-traded funds for the euro and, and things like that. Uh, do I have that right? Yes. Well, You've got it right. And uh, we are, no, we are bullish. And actually, the last few days here, the stock market's looking really good, but uh, we're still a little, you know, cautious on it because, as you know, this bull market's been going on for nine years and it's getting a little long in the tooth, but it's still looking good. And we think that'll probably continue as long as the economy holds up and interest rates don't go up too high. Right. And yeah. the, go ahead. But is that um, we're like in the eighth and the ninth inning of a, of a game. We took a lot of profits in December and we kept some and we still think the bull market's still alive. And as long as it's alive, we're going to stay with a smaller position. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I mean, my concern, frankly, and I'm, I'm basically in, almost entirely in cash right now, um, is that the, the instability, and I'm, I don't want to make this political, but the, but, but, you know, frankly, the world situation and what's going on in the White House um, tends toward instability. And you combine that with the fact that, as you said, we're in the ninth inning of the game. This is, this is the second longest bull market, I think, in the history of the United States. And, right. and, and so, you know, the end is probably visible. And it could just be some small thing like, you know, Syria and, and Iran, uh, excuse me, uh, Iran and Israel going to war, you know, in the Golan Heights or, uh, you know, something happens, something going south with the North Korea deal uh, or or even Mueller coming out and saying, OK, here it is. We're going to indict so and so for such and such. And boom, it all all falls off the edge of the earth. Um, are those are those legitimate concerns or I mean, the market's been able to shrug most of that stuff off up until the last few months. Yes, those are definitely legitimate concerns. And it's almost like the market is going to keep going up until finally 
you know, the, the pin drops or the, you know, like they say, the, the, the straw that breaks the camel's back. Exactly. Yeah. Something could trigger it. could be the investigation. It could be anything. It could be interest rates going a little too high and suddenly everyone gets nervous. But it looks like at some point, and it probably could happen in the next few months or so, maybe a little longer, but at some point something could uh, really hit the market hard and it could come down quite sharply. Yeah, and meanwhile, I can't forget that, that short-term rates have risen quite a bit, even though they came from zero to 2% almost. Uh, they're still rising and catching up. They're still historically low, so that's why probably we aren't feeling much of the rise in interest rates yet. And also, we've been having inflation pressures. Yeah. Uh, so with inflation, even though it's not a big deal, it is growing for the first time in a, quite a while. Deflationary pressures are definitely yesterday's paper, in other words. And so this is what we're facing now is how gradual the rates will rise or not, and how far will inflation go. In the meantime, the, the growth in the resource sector and in the precious metals has been slowly coming, not so slow in the resource, been coming around for the last two years, and we call that the turnaround year, and we feel like this year, 2018, is going to be the year that's going to start showing us a little more that that turnaround is indeed underway. Yeah. Now, my understanding of how inflation works is that there are, there are two things that can drive inflation. Um, the first is actual intentional government policy, uh, where the government decides that they're going to reduce the value of their currency, which is what inflation is, at a particular rate over a particular period of time. And, and what the Fed is asserting is that a 2% reduction every year in the value of the dollar, uh, or 2% inflation, let's say, is a good and acceptable thing. It lets the government pay off debts with lower amounts of money, and, and everything gets real predictable around that. As opposed to, for example, Robert Mugabe just printing gobs of money in Zimbabwe and ending up with 10,000% inflation. But the other thing that can drive it is if core commodities, essential commodities in an economy, things that the economy can't run without, explode in price. And in the 70s, this was oil as a result of the, the, the two oil, Arab oil embargoes um, in the late 60s, early 70s, or whenever they were back then. And we saw inflation go, you know, we saw the Fed raising interest rates up to 13, 14% in order to try to tamp down that that uh, inflation that was the result of this massive rise in oil prices. Um, a, reality check my understanding of inflation, and B, if that's the case, we're seeing oil go past $70 a barrel uh, if, if there's war in the Middle East, if, if the Iran-Syria-Israel situation continues to melt down, it seems to me that we could be seeing oil easily above $100 a barrel, which would then drive inflationary pressures, which would then cause the Fed to say, wait a minute, we need to slow down the economy to slow down inflation and thus raise interest rates. And that raise in interest rates would be the absolute thing that would kneecap the stock market. Am I, is that logical chain making sense? It sure is. It's making a lot of sense. And that's pretty much how we feel. That's how we feel about, like, already the resource sector has risen quite a bit. And even if you compare, say, the copper price or any of the resource, even rare earths, um, compared to even the, the average like the S&P 500, it's actually outperformed it on a year-by-year -year basis, meaning last year. And so, I mean, it is growing. And another thing that's very interesting that's happening is that many times in the past, stock market and uh, the precious metals or resource sector rise together like we've seen this year. They do rise together just that one is like at the end of a, a wonderful bull market and the other one's just starting one. And that can go on for a couple of years. And we feel that's kind of what's been happening now in the last two years, that we're going to start seeing more growth in this area, resource and precious metals, and lot less growth in the stock market. Right. So you're Not expect a regular market, but, uh, but definitely they're switching places. 
Yeah, and, and in an inflationary environment, being in things like oil or gold is actually a good thing because that's what's driving the inflation. Uh, so, so the so, so the bottom line question, because we're hitting the end of our segment here, um, for somebody who's listening or watching right now and might have you know ten thousand dollars to invest or a hundred thousand dollars to invest or or even two thousand dollars to invest. Um, as you know, some a young person starting out, or somebody who's just decided to start setting money aside, what's your advice at this particular moment in time? We're talking to Marianne and Pamela Aiden, the Aiden sisters, uh, co-editors and publishers of the Aiden Forecast. Aiden A D E N Forecast.com is the website. Well, actually, my daughter asked me the same thing. She's thirty years old, and she was asking. She has a little savings. She goes, "Now I'm ready to invest." So this is a great question. And this year, actually, in fact, this summer. It's probably going to be one of the good times to be able to pick up some good value in uh, selected resources and, and precious metals. So we would think like like a selective gold share, a selective resource share, and um, gold itself, and and say uh, even a rare earth. We would go in that. Say like even like even though Freeport Magmaran fell a lot, it still has good potential. In fact, it's at a good value right this moment. And um, so we GLD. would GLD GLD as you want a gold ETF or buy some physical gold and keep it. And and also you can't forget about silver has been very underpriced. Mm. And if both of them start rising, we'd probably get a lot more value and more gains with silver than we would with gold as it looks right now. But this is not, I mean, I, I remember, you know, when you told us to get into the market, when you told us to get out of the market and you told us to get in and out of bonds. And back, you know, 15 years ago, you said it's time to get into gold. And I got into, Louise and I got into gold and, and it went from like, you know, as I recall, when we got in, it was $230 an ounce. It went to over over $1,000 an ounce. Um, so you're suggesting that uh, currency ETF, excuse me, gold, uh, silver, and resource, basically, you know, uh, precious metals, uh, excuse me, uh, rare earths, uh, copper, things like that, or even oil, if you can, if you can energy, stomach that. Energy, too. Like, we, we feel that oil is actually kind of wanting to leave this whole group up higher. And we think oil has more room to rise further. And in fact, a lot of the resource sector, I mean, the energy shares are just catching up to the oil price. Right. Rise. So, so for people who are interested in, in investing in a way that is um, socially responsible, would the solar and the wind power industries be the equivalent of, of basically oil? It's an energy sector uh, buy? Well, really. I think eventually that could be very true. And in fact, you're looking at other things, too, that are energy related. But for the moment, it's it's all about oil, yeah. and and I think the others will probably catch up. Very very interesting. Marianne and Pamela Aiden, they are the co-editors and publishers of the. Uh, whoa! I just I, I, what did I hit the button? And, yeah, we will be we will we'll uh, thank you very much, uh, Marianne and Pamela. Thank you're you so much. Welcome. Great talk. Welcome back. Leslie in Davenport, Iowa. Hi, Tom. How are you? I am well. Um, uh, April 25th, I got a notice, an urgent one from Bank of America, saying, please contact us to update your personal information. The ending numbers on the credit card from the email was wrong. I assumed it was a scam. I called Bank of America, and they said, no, no, we need to update your records. And they asked me the exact same questions. How do I pay my bill? You know, what source of funds I pay my bill if I was a United States citizen or resident? And they were pretty insistent that I needed to complete all of it in order to keep using my credit card. Wow. Now, did they, yeah. did they reference any particular legislation or changes? Or No, no, but they did say that the government was requiring this. Huh. So... 
I've, yeah. you know, do, is there anything uh, unusual about you, Leslie? I mean, are you, are you very, very poor or very, very wealthy? Or do you, do you, you know, no, run tens of no. thousands of dollars through your credit card every month? No, no, no. We're just an average family. Um, we have, we have a balance. We don't pay it off every month. So we have a balance, but right. we're in good standing. There was no reason for it. And they said that if, you know, if you want your credit card still available from uh, to you. You have to answer these questions. So. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, yeah. I, I need to learn I more about to this. Back but... up the lady. Yeah, um, that's 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 correct. And I yeah. think I see on your Facebook page several people have chimed in, and it was Bank of America. I wonder if it's just so. that bank, and if they're if they've got some I know, right? some scheme going here that that doesn't have to do with the government, but they're trying to to fine tune, you know, to make sure that they're, you know, it's deadbeat alert, right? They're, they're looking for people who might be problematic in advance. And the real question that they wanted to ask was, oh, how do you yeah. pay your bill? Right. And if they don't get the right. answer they want, then, then, then they pull your, your card. And if they do get the answer they want, all the other answers are irrelevant because that was the only reason they were asking. Although it's just speculation on my part. I really have no idea, but, um, Fascinating. So there's a bunch of there's a conversation on our Facebook page about it. That's good to know, Leslie. I will see. Let me let me see what I can learn, and we can talk about it next week. Leslie, thanks so much okay. for the call. I appreciate Very it. Very good. Thank Take you, care. and thanks for listening to SiriusXM. Yeah, good talking with you, Marty in Evergreen Park, Illinois. Hey, Marty, what's up? Hey, Tom. Thanks for taking my call. I wanted to uh, quickly bring awareness to and uh, share my outrage and frustration about uh, the Trump administration's decision to cut the carbon monitoring system. Oh, yeah. Uh, I didn't even get to that story it's, today. It's only a $10 million system. It provides all the information necessary for the Paris Accord compliance and to know what's going on with carbon in the atmosphere. And the Trump administration is killing it. That's, that is correct. Yeah, it costs $10 million a year to track carbon and methane, track sources and sinks for carbon, um, made the high-resolution models of the planet's flow of carbon. Um, really cool program. Um, and, you know, the, the website appeared to be a lot more robust than it is now. So it's something that they're actively um, you know, trying to do away with. And I think uh, having that information now is more critical than ever, you know, due to the rapidly changing climate that we're all yeah. With. yeah. And this is this is entirely because a, a group of petrobillionaires, oil, oil industry, coal industry, natural gas industry, billionaires and multinational corporations have uh, made a deal with the devil, with the Republican Party or the Republican Party has made a deal with the devil. However, you want to characterize this of uh, we'll pretend that there's no such thing as global warming in exchange for all your money. Marty, thanks for the call. Yeah, it is outrageous. And thanks for bringing that in. I did want to get to that story today. I still have a Half a dozen I didn't get to. One of them, by the way, I'll talk about it on Monday. Britain has now apologized to somebody that they rendered to Libya to be tortured. When do we apologize? Anyhow, thanks so much for being with us today, all this week. We will be back on Monday with more great show. And in the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires all of us, and that includes you. So get out there, get active, tag. You're it. Your turn. We'll see you on Monday. Oh, and happy Mother's Day, yes. Happy You've Mother's Day. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.